So again, good morning. See, last time we were in Hebrews was November 20th. And uh, we just opened up uh, chapter 11. And we went through verses 1 through 4. And, and we did verse 6 to see what faith is. If you want to catch up to any of our sermons, you can go to our website. And there's a link there to listen to them. Or if, you, if you've got an iPhone, I know there's podcasts. You can do a podcast. We got the, they're on podcasts. So if you looked up Calvary Memorial Church, you can find them. Uh, and if you, if you go on the Faith Life app, you can actually find us on the Faith Life app too. So there's three places that I know that you can find our sermons if you want to listen to them. So if you need to catch up, there's a place to catch up. If you want to listen to them again, there's a place to listen to them again. Uh, so... So I opened up on November 20th by telling you what faith is. What is faith? It is trusting God before you see him. It is making the impossible become possible. It is accepting God's word without a doubt. It is trusting God to divide the Red Sea. It is trusting God to make the walls of Jericho Jericho fall. It is building an ark before it even rains. It is walking on the water when Christ says, come. Faith does not ask questions. And it definitely doesn't make excuses. So today we're going to take a look at three of at three people of faith to see what a person with faith in Christ should have that causes them to act. The faith that they should have that causes them to act. Real faith in God always, always acts. All great men in the Bible, all as well as history, used their faith. One may have great faith, but it is of little value unless you practice it. James. Put these markers in and they didn't help. James 2, 14 through 17 says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And this is, this is a, 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 a text that people argue about all the time because Paul says it, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, you're saved. Okay? But Paul is saying something here. So does the Bible contradict itself? I don't think it does in this matter. He goes on to say, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You see... Paul does say it's by faith, you're saved by grace through faith alone, okay? 
And James is saying, hey, there's works. If you've got faith, you'll have works. And I'm telling you, this is, this is, this is the reason they don't contradict themselves. What happens to you when you get saved? Holy Spirit dwells in you. So, naturally, you are going to do good works. Not because you're capable of good works. By the way, by the way, we're all adults in here. The Bible says, the Bible says that all our deeds are like filthy rags. By the way, that filthy rags, that filthy rags is, and Andrew's cringing because he knows what I'm going to say now, is what you use if you're a woman on a menstrual cycle. That is your best action. God compares to a filthy rag. You're capable of no good. Without God. That's what James is saying. If you have Christ, good works will follow. It's natural. It's natural. It's like this. If I'm on the way to St. Pete's Beach in Florida, and the first sign I see that says, and I'm going to go there and hang out at the beach, that says... St. Pete, this way, and I stop at the sign, and I get out, and I put my towel down, and I I wouldn't do this because I don't lay in the sun, but I lay down there by the sign. That's pretty silly, isn't it? You've got to keep following to get somewhere. So you have to keep following Christ. If you want to grow, you have to follow him and allow him to work in your life. That is the faith that these three men are going to show you today. That they followed God. When God told them to do something, guess what? They did it. They didn't make excuses. We, all the time, make excuses why we can't. Why we can't do anything. Why we can't follow God. Oh, we can't serve there. We can't do this. We can't do that. Because We don't have enough time. God wouldn't ask you to do nothing, by the way, that he didn't give you enough time to do. Because he created time. In these verses we are looking at today, we will see the great faith of three people, Enoch, Noah, and Abraham. They leave us an example to follow. See, so if you want to follow along, because there's no scriptures going to be on that, the, the screen behind me. We're going old school today, because I like old school, because I think it gets you to pick up one of these. There's a Bible in your chair. Most of the text is going to be on page 947 in them Bibles, if you want to follow along. Hebrews 11. 
Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. He pleased God. Enoch, there's not much written about Enoch, but there's a lot written about Enoch. There's not really much text that tells us about Enoch, except for he walked with God, so he followed God for 300 years. Faithfully, faithfully following God. Genesis 5, 21 through 24. It says, when Enoch has, had lived 65 years, he fathered, I'm going to butcher these names, Mepha, me, what? That's, okay, we'll go on what Andrew said. <laughs> Enoch walked with God, and after he fathered, 300 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch was 365 years. And we thought Dale was old. Dale's just getting started. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. God just said, hey, you've walked with me enough. I'm not going to let you go through the death part. I'm just going to go, hey, come on down. Or up, actually. But we don't know. where. It's a spiritual world, so it's probably right here. We don't know. Up, down. We just use them to reference places because we put it in our human wording. Can you imagine, can you imagine having so much faith that you walk with God for 364 years and God just says, hey, you, I mean, everybody was living like six, seven, nine hundred years. He was still youngster. He was like in his 30s. It was equivalent to being in his 30s right now. And he's walking around and God just says, hey, we're going to spare you the death thing and you're just going to come come to me. And he's like, yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board. See, that's how I want to live my life, that if God wants me now, he can take me. If he wants to spare me the death part, I'm all in. But I know one day that Jesus is coming back. And when he does, if it's on this side, if it's, 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 if it's on this side of my death, that's what it's going to be like. That's what it's going to be like. I want to have that much faith that, that I can believe in a God that is real. Not say I believe in God, because that's just speaking. That's useless. That isn't even faith. You can say a lot of things. See, the faith that the Bible talks about, it's like this. I could say, I believe in little bitty fairies. 
Okay, I can say, I've got faith that little fairies exist. You're going to tell me I'm crazy. Hopefully. But you would put me, and, and that's just having faith in something. You see, the faith the Bible talks about is having faith in something that's real and true. It would be like, Andrew said, hey, can I borrow $10 and give it you back on Friday? I could have faith in Andrew because I know Andrew, I know his character, and I know who, who he is, okay? But there's other equations with, with that is Andrew could get in, hit by a bus on Thursday and not be able to pay me back on Friday. But that's not, that's not, that's not his fault. That's other uh, stuff happening in, his, in, the, in the act of, of his life. But with God... The faith we put in God is all the promises that are in this book that he has fulfilled. We put our faith and trust in that. Not something that's supernatural. Not, not, I mean, not something that's not real like spaceships and, and fairy dust and, and all the other garbage that makes you, when you say it, you go, mm, I think that person's missing a few screws, you know. God actually exists. He wrote a book. He wrote a book. And it tells you, you know how many people have tried to destroy this book? Yet we have it. We are lucky in this country that we can get to read this freely. Actually, we're not lucky. Because I think if it went underground, we would be more mature Christians and we would have more faith. I think... Hey, bring on persecution because it will make us a better Christian. I don't think persecution is going to slow Christianity down. I think it's going to speed it up. It's going to, it's going to, the dead weight's going to be lifted. The people that don't really believe are going to be gone. But I want to be like Enoch and walk with God faithfully my whole life. Believing that every word in this book was written by God. See, he pleased God. Don't you want to please God? See, you must have faith in God all the time. All the time to please God. You can't have just faith on Sundays or faith whenever you want to have faith. Oh, my life sucks. So today I'm going to have faith and I'm going to pray to a God that I'm not 100% sure whether he exists or not. But today I'm going to believe in him because I need something from him. But tomorrow I'm going to go back to my old way of living and say, I don't know why I'm stuck because I haven't submitted to a True, real God. Enoch was also Noah's grandpa. Verse 7 says, By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet seen, un- yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and because an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. 
Can you imagine? Noah. Genesis 5 again. A lot happens in Genesis 5. Oh, sorry. I'm on the wrong slide. How come my slide didn't turn? Did you? I think I stopped working. Oh, there. That's why. I didn't change the slide. Let me get there. There. I didn't change the slide. Genesis 6. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. God puts a lifespan on us. Hey, Dale, you've got 30 more years to go. Just take care of yourself. We've got a lot of scrap to, to, to get rid of. So, we're, we're, the working faith, the working faith. See, faith, by faith, Noah, Noah being warned of God of the things not yet seen, Noah believed God. He practiced, he practiced before it was even written, Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1 wasn't even written. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. See, everybody goes, because the Bible says Noah was a righteous man. And God actually shows grace on Noah's life. It, when, when Noah was picked, I, I'm not sure there wasn't another righteous person that got condemned, actually, or that was as righteous as Noah. Because the Bible says the word that they use for reach down and pick Noah is like he had literally took his hand and go, yep, you'll do, Noah. I'm going to use you. And he put Noah back and said, hey, Noah, I want you to build an ark because it's going to flood. Noah probably had never seen water before, by the way. Because up until this time, the, the ground was watered from the, the earth. There was no rain. Okay? So, can you imagine? He's get, cutting down trees, building this massive ark to put his family on and the animals. Okay. And him saying, Are you sure, God? You sure? What's this rain thing you're going to talk about? And he feared God enough that he said, Hey, I'm going to listen to God, not man. Do you know, every time we sin, every single time we sin, we're listening to man's voice. Not God's. Every single time. And at that point, Noah said, look, I'm, you're speaking to me. I can hear you. I'm going to cut down these trees. I'm going to build the best damn ark I can build. And it was, took him 120 years. It's a lot of woodwork involved in building an ark. I'm telling you. That, that's a lot of work. And that is 120 years of hard work to build that ark. And it took him that long. So God didn't make it rain for 120 years. And then, and then 
the rain comes, the flood comes. And he acted, and everybody else that was living then was condemned. See, fear moved. He was moved by fear. He had faith in God as well as he was. And by the way, when I say fear, he respected God. That's what fear is, by the way. I fear fire. I respect fire. I know fire hot. My hand hits fire, it's going to burn. So I respect fire. I fear fire. It's the same thing. What it says is, is when he said he feared God, he respected God. Fear is not a bad thing. We should fear God. We should fear fire. We should fear like I nearly got electrocuted. You should fear electric. It can kill. You know, there's a good healthy fear of something. I turn the power off now because I don't want to die yet unless God wants me back. I'm not going to be the aid. I'm not going to try to kill myself. So there's a good fear. It's called respect. And that is what 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 Noah did. He respected God because he trusted God. If you want to please God, then we must believe that he is God. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, that's what... Do you think Noah was rewarded? Noah was rewarded, but Noah was dumb, by the way. The flood ceases. You know the whole story of Noah, don't you? This is why I say, when somebody says, well, he, they, they call him a righteous man, I always am blown away with that because, yes, the Bible says he was righteous, but how righteous was he? Because as soon as he, as soon as he got off, he, I just imagined some hillbilly, redneck guy in a cave with a NASCAR hat on backwards, naked, drinking a beer. That's what I imagine Noah to be, by the way, after the flood. Because he goes and gets drunk. He goes to get drunk after he had just been saved by God. It's like, you've just been saved by God. You've trusted him for 120 years, and the first thing you're going to do when you get on dry land is get drunk. So, obviously, the fear and the respect of God wasn't 100%. That's why I say, we should be a work in progress, but we should be moving forward. But there's going to be times where we mess up. Noah messed up. These are people that, that, that God felt necessary to put in Hebrews. People like Noah. How many people messed up this week? I did. You know? But if we're doing it all the time, there's a problem. It's doing it all the time. Then, it, then you, you're not facing your sin. You're not repenting of your sin. You're not turning away. When you chose to follow Christ, you said, I'm leaving my past behind. And I'm, I'm going to move forward. But we don't. We keep going back to the garbage pit. We have, it's like C.S. Lewis says it, and I'm going to paraphrase it. He says, we're like 
we're like children making mud pies in the backyard when there's a, a promise of a, and this is what he says, a seaside, so a, a nice trip to Florida and a beach, okay, trip. We're, we're, uns- we're so not getting what we have that we keep going back and playing in the mud pies. When there's a, a beautiful vacation promised for you. That's my paraphrase of C.S. Lewis. Brilliant man, you should read his books. He was faithful to grow, to follow. He stood firm. See, Noah's belief in God was in direct contrast to the sin and disbelief of the rest of the world. They refused to, you know, at any point, I'm sure that God would have allowed some other people to get on that ark if they had turned from their wicked ways. Because I believe that God is all love, and he would have saved the ones that wanted to be saved. But this is, this is something God never does. He never forces you to be in his presence if you don't want to be there. That's my argument why, why when people come to me and say, well, good God, why would he send people to hell? I have a son that doesn't speak to me. My oldest son doesn't speak to me. I'm not going to force him to be in my presence. Okay? I don't force him to be in my presence. He doesn't want to be in my presence. That's okay. When he's ready, he might come back. I believe in a God that can fix any relationship. I wouldn't force him to be in my presence. And I'm a human being full of sin. How much more would a a perfect, righteous God make somebody who does not want anything to do with God here and now be forced to spend eternity with him? Because that's what I'm going to tell you. That would be a living hell for the person who doesn't want anything to do with God. If you don't want anything to do with God on earth, why would you want anything to do with him when you die and go to heaven? You wouldn't. So he lets you steep in your sin and go where you want to go. So I believe there was a chance for these people. Nobody wanted God. Nobody believed Noah. So basically Noah preached. I believe why he was building that girl. He was preaching that this is going to happen. A flood is coming. But they didn't listen. Preaching on deaf ears. That's why I like that song, Rattle, by the way. Because I wanted a picture. Shelly said it's a bit sick because I picked this picture out for my office. She said I couldn't have it. Uh, she didn't think it was appropriate. I'll probably get it from my house office. But it's, it's a, Elijah, that song's written on Elijah, is preaching in a dream. God tells him to preach to, to dry bones. And the dry bones... Put the fle- they, they start putting flesh on and coming to life. That is, by the way, what it's like to be a preacher. That's why I want it. Because you have to preach. Like I'm not saying all of you are dry bones. I'm saying you've got to preach like everybody's dry bones. That is what that message is to me in Elijah. That you are trying to bring people to life in Christ. Bring them back to life. Because you don't want them to die. 
I want heaven to be fuller because this church existed. Because God used me and you to grow a church that can infect, infect, I did use the right word, infect this society. That's the problem with Christianity now. We don't infect the society, we become the society. We start acting the way everybody else acts. And we go out and we say, we're Christian, we go to church on Sunday. And that can be not true if you go out and act like the world. We are representatives for Christ. That's what Noah was doing. He was working out his faith by representing Christ well. And finally, I don't know why it didn't make a slide with the fill in the blank, but it's the way of faith, just so you know. So in Hebrews 8, I'm going to read 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, as with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. See, Abram obeyed God and went where God directed him, not knowing where he's going. See, I'm glad, by the way, God works like this. Because if God told me 20 years ago that I would be standing here preaching to you, I would have probably ran the opposite direction. A hundred miles an hour. Because I would have ran from it, not to it. God used a lot of different things in my life to get me to this country, let alone to this position. If God told me, hey, by the way, when you were seven, your dad's going to move to America. When you're 11, your dad's going to divorce your mom. When you're 17, you're going to come and he's on his third wife by now and you're going to have a messy relationship and you're going to be there for three weeks and you're going to leave and you're just going to be upset human being. And then you're going to try to build that relationship when you're 20. You're going to come to America right before you're 21. And you're only going to come for a year and you're only going to spend six months. This is my plan, by the way. You're only going to spend six months. But then he puts somebody like Shelley in my life in eight days. By the way, I lived in this country for eight days when Shelley was put in my life. Before I was a Christian, we moved in 15 days later together. I'm not, I'm not, condone, I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying that's how God worked in my life. He worked through my sin. Okay, we moved in together. I got a relationship with her and her family. My relationship with my dad sucked. And if God had said, hey, we're going to use all that, your relationship's going to blow up with your dad, even worse than it was. He's going to, he's going to stand on his driveway and threaten to, for his wife to go get the gun because I wouldn't leave. By the way, he was a professing Christian when he did that. 
And I told him I'd never speak to him again. And then a few months later, guess what? My father-in-law, who was like a dad to me, died. And, and guess what? That led me to this church. And then God has used me over and over and over again in this church to grow me. And then I find out my mom's got cancer. I was going to walk away from preaching. I was going to walk away from the calling that God called me to. I got angry at God. Because, not because my mom got cancer. The day I found out she had 72 hours to live, which she only lived 24, was I was preaching right here on the generosity of God. And in between services, I went out and made a phone call to my mom. And I'd spoke to her three days earlier. And she was okay. She was on hospice, but she was okay. She was, I could talk to her. That day, that day was the last time I spoke to her. And the only thing she could verbally get out of her mouth was she, was she was proud of me and she loved me. She didn't even have to tell me that, by the way. My mom never had to tell me that she was proud of me because I knew. Because you can tell by actions how somebody feels. And when I found out that, I was, went, to, went to England, was running, for, I, I, was, I was really, really strong in my faith for the whole time, the six weeks I was in England. I come back, I was angry. I started becoming the person I didn't want to be anymore. I started becoming the old Ed before Jesus grabbed, grabbed me and got a hold of me. But I couldn't stop believing in God. I just didn't want to be his servant anymore. He allowed me, he allowed me to go through all of that to grow me. And then he got me to come back by reading the book of Jonah. And then I preached a message on the book of Jonah. And I, I, I preached it and worked for it because I had to live it in my own way. And if anybody had said, all of that's going to happen to bring you to where you are today and your faith to be as strong as it is today, I would have said, hey, back up to 1977. And I want my dad to be in my house. I want this for my life, not that, God. So I'm glad that God didn't tell me what he was going to do, that he was going to allow to be done in my life. Life, is, life sucks without him because we go through pain and suffering. We have these people of faith to show you how to live. Look at what, look at what Abraham ended up doing. Therefore, from one man, verse, verse by, sorry, 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him a good as dead. Now, could, would you like to be told that in the Bible that's your, you're as good as dead? That's, that's Abraham's title, you're as good as dead. You as good as dead were, were born descendants, as many as the stars of the heaven, and as many as the um, innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. 
These also all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they have had opportunity to return. But as, as, as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered I up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it is said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You know, Abraham and Isaac is a foreshadowing of Jesus coming for you and for me. Abraham was told to sacrifice his son. God sacrificed his son. Isaac, everybody goes, Isaac, they, they think Abraham carried the wood up the, up the thing. So I, remember, I don't know how, Isaac was like, 10, 11, 12, 14, somewhere in that. He was young. And, 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 but his dad was like 100 and something at this point. His dad wasn't carrying the wood up the mountain. So, like Christ, Isaac carried the wood. You've got to think, like Jesus Isaac had to lay down. His dad wasn't able to fight him off. You've got to think about this. This was a young boy, strong, old man. The symbolization is there. See, Jesus is the better Isaac. See, but then Abraham, he, he has so much faith that as he's walking up, he tells his son, you know, God's going to provide. Whether it's you and you're dead and he brings you back to life or he's going to provide some sort of... And what happens? There's a ram caught in the thicket. Do you know what thicket is? It's a thorn bush. What was, what was King Jesus crowned with? A thorn of crowns. It's amazing. The Bible has so much in it that we just don't look at. The promises of Jesus Christ are throughout it. He loves you so much that he foreshadows everything. And he wants you to believe that this is true. And he wants you to follow him 100%. He wants you to be his child. You know, what's amazing is Janet, Thomas has, has come, T Thomas has come to church, and he did that on his own, by the way. You need to ask him how he ended up here, because it's pretty amazing, right? But Janet, I just said that God has no grandchildren. 
We have grandchildren. God only has children. Now, we can be a representation for our grandchildren and our children, but it doesn't mean they're going to accept Christ. God has no grandchildren. We have grandchildren. God has children. God has children. That's what he did. He, he says, I'm going to die for my children. Put your faith in the one that has fulfilled the promises of Scripture. These great giants in faith saw a heavenly city. Is that what you look to? Because that's what I look to. I can be here another 30 years or I can die today. I'm good with that. Whatever God wants me to do, he's going to use me where he wants to use me. I'm just going to follow because it's better than my plan. Um, But are you all in? Because you know what? I believe that you can be saved by grace 100% through faith alone. But I believe you will change. You will change if you truly accept him as your Lord and Savior, not just your Savior. Truly put your life, lay your life down and pick up the one that he has for you. He wants you to follow him because he loves you. He has a better plan for your life than you will ever have. Faith always will bring miracles. Faith doesn't look at impossibilities. It looks at what can be done. Faith always sees a way. Faith always gets results. See, we need to lay our lives down for real. We need to put our lives down and pick up Christ and say, I want to live for you. And I want to be a representation no matter where I go in the world. I want people to know whose I am. I want people to know that I belong to Jesus. Not just pretend I belong to Jesus. Actually, people can see you belong to Jesus. God is good all the time. All the time. Your life might stink. I'm not promising you, because you'll never hear me promise you that your life is going to be easier because you follow Jesus. Actually, I will promise you this. Your life is going to be harder if you follow Jesus. It is going to be more complicated if you follow Jesus. Life is going to be hard because now you follow a different rule book when you follow Jesus. You don't do what the world tells you is acceptable. You do what Jesus tells you is acceptable. That's how you know you're changed. When you start living for the world and start living for Jesus. And you put your full faith in him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are a great God that shows us people that live a life full of faith. That even though they made mistakes along the way. They're in this book, God. They're in this book for a reason, to show us nobody's perfect. But we should be walking a life full of grace and faith. 
faith in what you can do through us. Because you are the one true God. The Savior of the world. For all who put their trust in you. I just pray that everybody in this room can, can understand that we live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.